Today we are starting a new series on the Holy Spirit. And this is something that is really important to me, this sermon series. And the reason it is so important is I have discovered the joys and the pleasure of knowing this person who is called the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about him today. Jesus Christ, before he was crucified in John, takes a whole three chapters just talking about the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people are disturbed when we talk about the Holy Spirit, but we're going to talk about why people should not be disturbed when we talk about the Holy Spirit today. But Jesus spoke about the coming of the Spirit of God. And when he spoke about this coming of the Spirit of God, he thought it was so important that he not only took a few minutes, but it was as if he, he had an entire discourse where he discussed the Holy Spirit. And we call him the Holy Spirit today, but there are several names that the Bible uses for him. The Bible talks about him as the Holy Ghost. And if you use the King James Bible, the old King James, you will notice that it mentions the Holy Ghost. But we have moved somewhat away from talking about the Holy Ghost because of this preoccupation with witches and goblins and ghosts. And so just to separate what we're talking about, most churches today have talked, have stepped away from using the word ghost and just talk about the Holy Spirit. Then there is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, Jesus said, when the, the, the Holy Spirit has, is come, when the, God will send his Spirit, and that's another name that we use. Then there's also the wind of God. And the Bible tells us in Genesis that the Spirit of God was hovering over the, the water, the face of the deep. Then there is the breath of God. And remember, we looked at Strong's, this, this book, this big, thick book that has all these Greek words and Hebrew words. And it's Strong's number 4151, and it's called Numa. And if you recognize that word Numa, it sounds like pneumatic, when you have pneumatic fever. And what's the problem with, what's pneumatic fever? When there's a shortness of breath. So, pneuma, no, rum, 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 pneum, rheumatic pneumonia. Thank you very much. See? Now, that's why I need my wife, because sometimes I just go off and, and, and speak the wrong things. So, pneumonia, not rum, pneumonia is what I was saying. <laughs> Didn't you hear me talking about pneumonia? When there's, there, there's, there's shortness of breath? What do you think I was saying? So pneumonia, when there's the shortness of breath, pneuma. And then sometimes we talk about the mind of God as well. The Holy Spirit is also referred to in the Bible as the paraclete, one who comes alongside the believer to assist and empower him or her. He's our intercessor. He is our, help, our helper. Jesus Christ says, when the helper is come, that's the one who comes alongside you. He is our advocate and our comforter. Sometimes Jesus talks about the comforter as well. But for all the names that the Holy Spirit is referred to, the one name that stands out above every other name is holy. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, what we're talking about is the fact that this Spirit of God is a holy spirit. And so that's why we need to be very careful when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, because we're talking about something 
that goes beyond just understanding God. We're talking about God who is perfect, clean, pure in every single way. And we in this, this series of messages will be talking about when the Holy Spirit comes and when he speaks and when he works in and through us. And so it's one thing I want us all to know is that he is really going to come. And if the Holy Spirit comes, this, this person who is pure, if you are living a life that is sinful, Go Church is going to become a very uncomfortable place very soon for you. Because when he comes and he comes with the fire of God, then the fire of God is going to burn out all sins. And the fire of God is going to get rid of things that are not of God. And so if you are living with somebody that you should not live with, this is the time for you to change that around. If you are having relations that you should not be having, guess what? If the Holy Spirit comes, he is going to point his finger on the things that are in your life that are not of God. If you are you're cheating or you're, you're doing things that God has said in his word that you shouldn't do, this is a time for you to say, I'm going to wean myself off this. If you're looking at, at, at things on the internet and you know that you should not be looking at those things on the internet, this is a time for you to say, I am changing. I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes that I'm not going to look on those things anymore. Because the Holy Spirit is about to visit Go Church. Now, let me just say this right now. One of the things that people have said about Go Church is that they sense the presence of the Holy Spirit here. And it's true. From the very first service, from the very first pre-service prayer we have had here, there has been a distinct sense of the Holy Spirit in the house. But we haven't seen anything yet. He is about to reveal himself in a way that we have never experienced, we have never seen before. And when that happens, we are going to go back to biblical proportions in the power of the Spirit. And so this is the time for us to change our lives. How do I know that the Holy Spirit is coming? How, how can I speak so confidently? Because Jesus Christ tells us that those who seek God diligently will eventually have him. And we are seeking him diligently. I have a prayer room at home and... Last night, Dahlia came, and she woke me up from the floor in the prayer room <laughs> because I'm in the prayer room, and I'm seeking the Holy Spirit, and I'm saying, come, Holy Spirit, in power, and I know he's about to come. So we need to understand how we're going to live our lives when the fire of God comes and reveals things that we don't want necessarily to believe. So the Bible tells us that when... The Holy Spirit comes. He convicts the world of sin. In John chapter 16, verses 7 to 11, it says, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. And many people have got hung up on the scripture. Now, I believe, and that's what I just spoke about, that when the Holy Spirit comes in power, he is really going to convict of sin. And so this is the time for you to really get yourself, get your house in order. I am getting my house in order. Because I know that when the Holy Spirit comes, he is going to come in power. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But some people have gotten so hung up on this is the role of the Holy Spirit. And the, whole, the, the, the only thing that the Holy Spirit does is he convicts of sin of righteousness and of, God, of judgment. So don't try to say the Holy Spirit is doing anything else and they are absolutely wrong. Because what we want to do is we want to say, Holy Spirit, this is your role and you stick in that role. But guess what? 
the Holy Spirit makes the rules. And he is the one who has defined all the roles. So let's look at some of the roles of the Holy Spirit right here. First, he comforts. After conversion, the Holy Spirit comforts the Christians. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14 and verse 18, that I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send the Holy Spirit to you. And so the Holy Spirit comforts the Christians. He also instructs. John 14, verses 25 to 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things I have said to you. And so the Holy Spirit will instruct you. Now, I believe in education. I have spent a lot of time studying, and I believe in the value of studying. And I encourage anybody who wants to improve yourself by studying, go for it. But I have done a Bible degree, and I learned a lot. I really did. But it is nothing compared to the things I have learned from just being in the Word of God and having the Holy Spirit teach me and say, this is what this means, and this relates to this part of Scripture. And when the Holy Spirit begins to pour out himself in your life, there is no instruction that anyone can give you that will be anything equivalent to the Holy Spirit teaching you. He is the teacher. So we should learn of the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit prays through the Christians. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit himself makes intercessions with us, with, for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I had a grandmother, and her name was Kaka. And Kaka was a worshiper. And she would get up in the morning. I think I've said this before. She would get up in the morning, and from the morning right back to the evening, Kaka would just sing. And sometimes something would bother Kaka. And what Kaka would do, rather than singing, she would just, mm-hmm. And we would say, Kaka is just miserable today. And Kaka would just, mm-hmm. And she's, it's no words, it's no song she's singing. And, and we, we know when she's singing a song or when she's hum, humming a song because Kaka used to line the songs. When I say line the songs, what I mean is she would, this was before we had PowerPoint and overhead. So rather than having the words to the songs, people would actually read out a line of the, the song. And then after they read the line of the song, they would sing it. So they would say, I go to the valley to find my sheep. I go to the valley. And that's how she would do it. And every single line of the song, Kaka would say the line of the song, and then she would sing the song. So when Kaka was, mm, we couldn't understand what Kaka was doing. But then the Holy Spirit came upon me. <laughs> and I'm in a meeting praying. And sometimes when I have a need and I'm praying for somebody to be healed, I just find myself, because the Holy Spirit is taking the words of you, of the Christian, and he is translating it into a language that only God can understand. Because sometimes when you're calling out to God from the depths of your soul, the Holy Spirit takes those, those calling out that have words that cannot be uttered, and he just simply says, Lord, when he said, mm-hmm, what he really means is, I want you to heal this person from the inside out. Because the Holy Spirit prays through the Christians. Then he's the ever-present God. The Bible tells us that he was there from the very beginning. Genesis 1 verse 1 tells us, in the beginning was the word, 
that's not that's John. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. He was there right from the very beginning. So he is the ever-present God. Then he also anoints for ministry. And when Jesus Christ was baptized, there was the voice of God the Father in heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove so that we could see him, that people around could see, oh, something from heaven is coming to anoint Jesus Christ right there. So that's the, that's the Trinity right there. You have God the Father speaking. You have Jesus being baptized, and you have the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus Christ, anointing him for ministry. Just one more thing about the, the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit, and sometimes we think that he is a lesser God, but the Holy Spirit is no lesser God. He is one of the persons of the Godhead, and he was actually involved in the, the birth of Jesus Christ himself. Because the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, that God spoke to Mary, and when he spoke to Mary, he said to Mary, don't worry, everything is going to be all right, but the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and the power of God will, will come upon you, and then when the power of God comes upon you, and the Holy Spirit just comes upon you, you are going to have a son who will be called the Son of God. Not the Son of Man, but the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit was involved in the very conception of Mary, having Jesus Christ, conception of Jesus. And so as we look at the Holy Spirit, before we even start talking about the fruit of the Spirit, which is the, the main focus of today, I want us to understand so much that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a force. He is someone who can be grieved. And when I, when I preach very often, I use a lot of scripture verses. Just write them down if you can, and then you can look at them afterwards because sometimes I go too fast. But the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit is the one who seals you. And God is saying, do not grieve this person, the Holy Spirit. So he can be grieved. He's a person. He can be lied to. In Acts chapter 5, we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and they, everybody, all the disciples were selling their properties, and they were moving together, and they were sharing everything in common, and these people had their land, and they could have kept the land for themselves, but they decided, no, we're going to give it to the church. But then somewhere along the, the, the line, they decided, well, let's not give the church the whole money. Let's keep some for ourselves. And so they went to the disciples and said, this is the money that we got from God, that we got from the sale of the house. God gave this the money when we sold this house. Here it is. And Peter said, why have you lied to the Holy Spirit? So he can be lied to. Then the Holy Spirit also speaks. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, we read about the Ethiopian eunuch. And they said, then the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. So notice that it's the Holy Spirit who was speaking. And he was saying, go and overtake this chariot. So the Holy Spirit is the one who actually does the speaking sometimes. And so this is not some person who is just a God who is aloof. 
He is there and he's there to minister and to touch each and every one of us. So when a, whole, a person accepts Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, it's the Holy Spirit who comes and he lives inside the believer. Ephesians 4 verse 30 tells us that he seals each and every believer. So if you're a Christian, you already have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. There is no Christian alive who does not have the Holy Spirit. So if someone doesn't have a certain gift of the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit beginning next week, but if a person doesn't have a gift of the Holy Spirit, we don't say to that person, you don't have the Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit who comes and seals the person, who, who comes and says, you are God's child. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and how he will seal a person. But one of the things that we, we need to understand right up front is that when the Holy Spirit comes and seals us, we cannot be certain that a person who is operating in miracles, a person who is operating with the gift of, of prophecy or doing things or speaking in tongues because all the gifts can be mimicked. So we cannot be, be sure that this person is sealed by the Holy Spirit or not. There's just one single test that Jesus Christ gives for us to know if somebody is really sealed by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ didn't say, by the amount of of miracles they perform, you will know that they are mine. Or by the, the prophecies that they give that are accurate. And sometimes we think, you know, brothers and sisters, that if somebody is a Christian and they are performing miracles, they are really doing the things that God wants to say, God wants them to do. And guess what? Sometimes a person might perform wonderful miracles, Christian perform wonderful miracles in the name of the Lord. And then that Christian goes home and they are doing things on the computer that they should not be doing. And you say, but something is wrong there because how can that person have the anointing of God and they're into pornography? How can the person have the gift of, of speaking in tongues and they're having an affair? How can the person be doing this and... and they have the Holy Spirit, and guess what? God will actually allow somebody who is a Christian, who is not living right, to do miracles. It has happened. We have seen it on television where this televangelist who performed wonderful miracles, people were coming to Christ because of his messages. He came out crying on TV sometime later, talking about how he had sinned and how he had been having women in his hotel rooms how does that happen what happens is God says the gifts and callings of God he will not revoke he's not going to take them back and so sometimes what God does is he lifts the anointing from your life but there is still a residue of his power in your life and sometimes you can still do the things that he's saying that you should do. And you wonder how come sometimes you have Christians who are so messed up. And us charismatics who believe in the operation of the gifts of the spirit, we get ourselves in big trouble. Because if we see somebody performing miracles or doing certain things, we think we should follow them. And that is wrong. You don't follow somebody because they have gifts. I have seen many Christians with strong gifts who have been living right. So what do we do? How do we know when a person is sealed by the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them. Not by their gifts. And so that's why as we start this series where we're going to be examining gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, it's important for us to first realize 
that it is by the fruit of this person that you will know if you should follow this person's voice, if you should listen to what this person is saying. And sometimes, if we just simply follow the gifts, we are going to be led astray. There was a big revival that happened a year or two ago. And everybody was flocking to this revival. And people were asking me, Chris, aren't you going to the revival? And I said, no, I'm not going to that revival. Because in my lore, I knew something was wrong. And before we knew it, the revival started to crumble. And the head of the survival got married to his secretary. So, now when I say he got married to his secretary, he was in a marriage and he was having an affair while that marriage was going on. While this great revival was going on. And so this is why you never, ever follow somebody's gift. Now, let me be very careful with this. If I am living wrong, I don't want you to follow me. Let me say it one more time. If you discover that I am not doing the things that God is saying I should do, or if you discover that I'm looking at things that I should not be looking at, I don't want you to follow me regardless of how many miracles take place in this place. Because... There is always the, the problem of us having tainted gifts. And you don't want a prophecy that is a prophecy of God, but it is filled with something that is not of God leading your life. You don't want to come to an altar and you think that you're getting the pure, unadulterated power of God, but there is something else. There is a mixture in there. So that's why we need to look at the, the gifts. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew 7, verse 16. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? That's Jesus Christ speaking about false prophets. And he's saying, don't follow these false prophets. Even though they are prophesying, don't follow them. Look for their fruit, and then you will know. So Let's talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit right now. Because I want to know that if I'm going to follow somebody, the fruit of the Spirit is evident in their life. First fruit. First, it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit, but let's just say the first of the fruit right now is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And every Christian needs to have a love, first of all, for the brethren. There are too many Christians who don't have love for the people of God. And how can you expect that people from outside is going to be able to say, wow, God is in the place if there, you have no love for each other. That's why we, we take the time each service to allow you to take time to talk to each other because we want genuine love to grow from outside of you. You don't want to be in a situation where there is no love between you and the brethren of God. Now, I'm not talking here about love that is uh, love for your spouse or love for your children. That's important. I agree with that. But if you take the word of God and you'll notice that Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 takes us on a discourse where he explains the gifts of the Spirit, and all through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then guess what he does? He takes us in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, and he talks about 
how the gifts should operate. Because if you're going to have a gift of the Spirit and you have no love, you are going to mess people up. And so we need, first of all, to love people. And sometimes the people who are in the church are not the people who you'd want to love. Sometimes we have some problems. And some people are easier to love than some. But we have to love them. And Jesus Christ said, I love the church. And if Jesus Christ loves the church, guess what? We also need to love the church. And sometimes some people are not people that we want to just automatically feel as if I want to have this person over to my house to have dinner with me because they might smell. It's true. And you don't want that person in your house. But if you love them, you have to find a way to reach out to them beyond just as on Sunday morning. We really do. We have to love the brethren. And that is going to help us to know how to love the gift. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. It says, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. So God has poured out his love into us by his Holy Spirit. So if he has poured out his love into us, then that means that we are going to love each other regardless of how difficult it might be sometimes for us to love each other. The next is joy. Joy is the Hebrew word kara. And for those of you who are checking, it's Strong's number 5479, 5479, kara. And kara is joy. Let me talk about joy. I looked it up and it says joy is calm, delight, gladness, cheerfulness. And sometimes we mistake people's personality for having a lack of joy. No, it's important that every Christian have deep-seated joy regardless of your personal, personality. Now, a person like me, I'm an introvert. You guys have recognized that, right? I'm, an, I'm, I'm, I'm a 24-karat gold introvert, meaning I am the person who, if you put me in my natural surroundings, I will sit down by myself, not go out and talk to anybody else because I'm really an introvert. Let me give you a story. I have lots of stories, but this one is, is, is weird. But Dahlia was having, when I, when I was dating her, she was having a games evening at her, her home. Now, introverts like me don't like to play games. We just like to stay, stay by ourselves and watch the games. So they were having games, and I was dating her, and this was a time that you want to really impress your girl, that you're, you're into what she is into, but I'm not into games. So they're playing their games, and I'm sitting down, watching them playing games. And before you know it, I'm fast asleep. <laughs> but not only am I fast asleep, I'm fast asleep with my head in one of her friend's lap. No, guys, you have to be confident to do things like that. <laughs> but, <laughs> and this friend was a girl. <laughs> so, here, here's, here's the issue. If you are not an extrovert, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have joy. And sometimes I, get, I tend to get very... I have a serious face and you see me, you might think I'm upset, but don't look sometimes on the outside to talk about how I'm feeling inside. I, I really am not upset. If you, if you ever see me looking very serious, it's just my, my, my macho face. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about joy. Joy is something that is inside and when you're going through problems, when you're going through issues, when you're going through difficulties, you have a deep-seated stillness, knowing that everything is okay, even though the, the ships 
are going all waving with, 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 with thunders overhead and, and the waves high, you still have this, this inner peace and this inner calm because you know that your hand is in the hand of the Lord. And how do you get that? You get that when you take the time to spend time knowing who is the God that you're working with. That's deep-seated joy. Romans 15, 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and trust in him so that you may overflow with hope and power of the Holy Spirit. God wants you to overflow. And even if your boss is messing with you and your, your neighbor is not mowing their lawn and they're, 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 they're letting things blow over into your yard and they're dragging down the, the, the status of your house, you still have that deep-seated inner peace because you have the joy of the Lord. Peace. Here's what we're talking about next. Peace. This is one of my favorite phrases. Shalom, shalom. And that is peace, peace. In the Bible, the, 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 in, in Hebrew, there is no, no term for perfect peace. But what they do, they do is they repeat the word peace, peace. So it's shalom, shalom. Meaning you have this deep inner residue of, of satisfaction, of knowing that you're in the hands of God. And when you have that deep-seated peace, everything you know is going to be okay. The word peace in Greek talks about prosperity. I was surprised when I saw that one. Prosperity. It talks about one, quietness, rest. It sets your heart at one again. That's a nice one because... It's as if you have a divided heart where you, you want to do this and you, you want to do that or you're thinking about this and you're thinking about that at the same time. But peace is when, regardless of the million things that are happening around you, God just says, it's okay. And not only is God saying it's okay, but your heart is saying it's okay. And even though you find that somebody is out to get you, I don't have to be hassling. I don't have to be, be, be worried. I don't have to be, be doing a million things at once. I just know that there is, is peace in my heart. Patience. Patience. We live in a world where Everything is happening. And the more we get into this busy state of mind, when we have a million things to do, the more we get to the point where we don't have time to slow down and to wait. Patience is this thing where you have this willingness to wait. I'm going to show you a clip from a movie. You probably have all seen this. It's called You're So Cupid. And we have these two girls, this, this one who is higher and the one in the white blouse. They're twins. And their parents are separated. The mother is separated from the father. And the girls have discovered that their father is the genuine Cupid, where he gets people together. And so they're following in their father's footsteps where they're, they're trying to get other people together. So let's watch this clip and then we'll talk about patience. To the principal's office, please. Cutting class is never acceptable. But it was an emergency. For whatever reason. I called your parents. Why? How many times have you been in my office this year? Three. Twenty-five. Is that your lovely wife? She's really pretty. What's her favorite flower? I'm sure it's Narcissus. When was the last time you sent her flowers? She looks like the kind of woman who adores getting flowers. Wait outside my office. Your parents will be here soon. 
Miss Adams, please order me some flowers. Okay. Narcissus. Mrs. Valentine. Miss. Come in, please. One down and one to go. Hi, Dad. She's already in there. get right to the point. We pride ourselves in being supportive and tolerant of our students. We want them to feel good about themselves and to have a healthy self-esteem. I have a goal for each of our students, that they leave this school a better person. How long is this uh, going to take? As long as it needs to. Hmm. What happened? They cut class. You mean to tell me you've never cut class? Not even once? It's the third time this week. As I was saying, I would like each and every one of our students... What did you say? Nothing. Nothing, I, I... Yes, you did. You always do that. Why do you always do that? <sighs> They're fighting. What else is new? We'll need to design new dresses, hairstyles, shoes, makeup, manicures, manicures. Hey, Jamie. Oh, hey, Melissa. Okay. You got a Scott Tucker. Are you sure? Hey, Liz. Oh, okay. Bye. Nice choice. Okay, bye. Hello? Sounds good. Oh, bye. I gotta go. What am I gonna do with you two? Be good. Come on. Call me later. Okay, bye. So what we have here is the business of life. And so Cupid, he is always on his phone, has no time to be patient. He is in this meeting and is ready to get out of this meeting. The two sisters who are twins, living with either parents, they are cutting classes and they don't have time for the trivial things in life because they have to be trying to do matchmaking for everybody else. And the problem is that not everybody goes at the same speed. But when we are so busy in life, we don't have time to slow down and wait for somebody who is going at a slower speed than us. And sometimes in the business of life, we just simply have to say, I know that I have a thousand things to do, but I'm going to slow down. And in the middle of everything else, I'm going to take time to talk to somebody. I made a New Year's resolution about three or four years ago, and I have been renewing it every year to be a better friend to my friends. Because I got so busy, I could spend months without calling one of my friends and saying, how are you doing? We have to get back to the point where we recognize that I am going to be patient with somebody who is not going at my 500 miles per hour speed. And we get so hassled and so, so into our own worlds that we don't have time for others. And this is important also when we're talking about the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because, you see, you have to go and, and, and speak to the multitudes and, and get, God, get them healed. But you don't have time to spend time with one person who might be a hard case. See how that works? So this, this whole thing of patience, it goes through your entire life. You have to be patient enough to look at somebody who is not as busy as you are. Have you guys ever seen anybody who is not as busy as you? 
because sometimes we get so busy and then people who are not busy, they have all the time and they want us to spend time with them. Ever happened? Oh, it just happens to me. I, I am so busy, I have a million things to do, but then somebody who has nothing to do, they want me to take an hour and talk to them. But guess what? If I am exhibiting the, the fruit of the spirit of patience, then I am going to find a way to take time with the person who is not as busy as I am. That's important. So we have to practice patience. And sometimes I want to see everything happen. Right now, I want revival. I want to see revival happen now in Go Church. I want to see miracles. I want to see limbs grow right now. And God says, no, 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 no. Wait. Wait. But I'm still pressing on and I still want to see it happen. But sometimes you just have to have this thing that says, it's going to be all right. I will wait. Next one is kindness and goodness. Kindness and goodness. Give of your substance. Give of yourself. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ went about and he healed many people because he had compassion on them. And when we, we exhibit the, 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 the fruit of kindness and the fruit of goodness in our lives, then we can see that, that something is leaking outside of us. And we are not just, just keep trying to keep things for ourselves, but we are, we are saying, Lord, I want you to, to take me and take the things that you have given to me so that I can give it to somebody else. Because it's not just about me. It's about God's people. And it's not just about God's people. It's about reaching the world for Christ. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. This is very important. And if I were to give an example of faithfulness, since we started Go Church and we have had the Global Cafe, Steve, where's Steve? He's up there. And his wife, you, 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 you have permission to, to peep around this side. Steve and Lisa, I have never had to go back and check if things are okay up there with the Global Cafe. That is an example of people being faithful. That you say, this is a task, and they take the task, and they run with it. Ron told me that Steve came this morning somewhere about 6 o'clock, and by the time he came to set up, things were already set up. That's being faithful, and we need other people to step forward and say, I'm going to be one of the, the faithful ones. Ron. Ron Makuta, he, he has been working, and he is in charge of setup. And believe you me, I don't have to call and say, is somebody going to be at the hotel? To, these things are here, all this equipment. Somebody actually comes, and they, they set everything up every single Sunday. And it's good to know that we have people who are faithful people that we can trust. And God wants each of us to be faithful, to be able to say, I can trust in this person and I don't have to double check to see what's going on because I know I have somebody faithful who is there. Faithfulness, very important part of the fruit of the Spirit. Then gentleness. When it comes to gentleness, there is nowhere that this makes as big a difference as with your families at home, your spouse, and your children. And believe you me, it's so important for a parent to be firm and to make sure that his or her children aren't strained. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to be gentle with your children. 
your children need to understand that even though my mom and my dad are firm, they are also gentle with me. Let me talk to the men for a second. Men, we need to be gentle with our wives. We need to be gentle with our wives. Sometimes we get so sharp. Sometimes we speak words as if you should get yourself in shape. Things aren't, aren't the way you want them to be, and so you feel as if you need to, to, be, to, to have a, a firm handle on your, your marriage and your, your relationship. And I've seen so many relationships where the men decide that they need to be so firm with their wives and the marriage just crumble. Men, we need to be gentle with our wives. We need to be willing to help. And when our wives are, are doing things that we might not necessarily feel as if that's the way I would want to do it, we need to find a way to be gentle just the same. Now, in my life, I have one curse. I can do many things. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing at the same time. Because I can do so many things that when it comes to being able to sort out a computer program or to work on this or that, I just have a thing where I pick up things very quickly. Now, my wife is not as technical as I am, right? <laughs> and because my wife is not as technical as I am, sometimes I'm, 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 I'm showing her something on the computer and I want to be, yeah, but why don't you just get it this way and do this? And, and all you have to do is just click this button and click these four different buttons in this sequence. And so I need to learn how to be gentle, even with the things that I know how to do and she doesn't know. And women, sometimes you need to be gentle with your husband, especially if they're not in shape. You know, your, your husband just needs to be whipped in shape. And so we are, we are the ones who are going to get him straight, you know, because this husband of mine, he's not, he's not doing the things of God that he should be doing. Or he's, he's not being the, the one who is taking care of the yard and, and the, 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 the lawn is four inches, 4.5 inches too high this week. And so I have to whip my husband in shape and get him to go and do the things that he ought to do to be the man around the house. Be gentle. Seriously, be, be gentle with your man. Help him. And here's where this makes a big difference in the church. When God pours out his anointing upon us, if you're not gentle and you're operating like you're prophesying over people, then you start prophesying out of the hurt and the anger that is inside of you. You're praying for people and you, you, you want to see them operate a certain way and, and you want to see them heal a certain time and you're telling them things that will put them down because they're not healed. And if you had faith, God will heal. Be gentle. Be gentle with people. When you feel that, that you know what God wants for other people and they just, just need to, to get in shape and, and understand how their life should be, and so you are going to show them, girl, all you need to do is just do this and do that. Be gentle. Have a gentle spirit because the Holy Spirit wants to release himself through you. But he is not going to release himself in power if you are going to mess up God's people. You have to be gentle with others. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I think that the word humility is there before that word gentleness. 
because it's so important that we are humble, especially these Christians who have the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in their lives. Sometimes we think that people who don't have the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives are not really as wonderful a Christian as we are. It's true. Sometimes we think that we are superior to other Christians because God uses us in healing and we are superior to other Christians because God uses us in giving words to other people or God uses us to give a, to give a prophetic word or, or give a, a, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Be humble. Be willing to say, God is using me, but it's not because of who I am. It's because of who he is and because of what he wants to do. So we have to be gentle with other Christians. And we have to be gentle with people who are not Christians, who we are trying to get to become Christians, but we need to get them to, to understand that even though you are living a life of sin right now, I am going to speak the things in your life that are wrong, but I'm also going to have a gentle spirit towards you. Be gentle. Finally, self-control. Self-control. Do you have self-control? Are you able to say, I'm not going to look on this thing and when it comes to men we operate from our eyes very much and when we see something we want to look more and sometimes we see things that we know that are not good for us to see but do you have self-control to say I'm not going to look at things that God is saying I shouldn't look at do you have self-control over your lips to say, I'm not going to speak words and, and, and call things out that I should not be calling things out? Are you going to be, be, be willing to say, I'm not going to be gossiping. I'm not going to be doing things that, that God doesn't lead me to do. Are you going to overeat? Are you self-controlled? Are you somebody who is just doing things and, and, and it's as if you're a bull in a china shop? There's a song, The Gambler, says you got to know how, when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run. Nobody starts singing. This is church. I, 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 I'm looking around, I'm, I'm seeing Pastor Jane as if she, 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 she's about to tap her. Self-control. We have to know when to hold them. Sometimes, as Christians, God gives you a word, and as the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, and the, as the gifts of the Spirit starts flowing in your life, you're going to find that sometimes God reveals something to you, and it's not time to share it as yet, and you have to learn self-control, because sometimes God shows you things before it's time for you to release that thing. Sometimes you just need to hold on and say, Lord, show me when, and then you go. There's this movie called X-Men. And this guy is discovering his new strength. And we're going to watch this clip where he is discovering how to use his gifts and his strengths, which he's going to have to use to save the world. Of course, you always have to save the world. And so we're going to watch this clip where he's learning how to have self-control, how to control the power that is in him. Alex Summers, hope you're not planning on putting him with others. First guy I've ever met who actually prefers solitary confinement. Alex, what is your gift? What can you do? Get back. things tend to happen. It's because you can't control it. It controls you. That's why we're here, Alex. That's why we're training. All right, Alex, try not to hit me. There's a good chance. You're serious? I'm very serious. I have complete and utter faith in you.
chance to be part of something much bigger than yourself. There it says, here you have the chance to be something much bigger than yourself. That's the movie X-Men, when this man is learning how to control his gifts. And I think it's good that we end talking about the fruit of the Spirit on self-control. God is going to pour out his Spirit upon us. But we need to learn how to control ourselves. Because when we learn how to control ourselves, he can trust you more. And the more he trusts you, the more he releases greater levels of anointing in your life. But you have to be self-controlled. And so, today we have looked at the importance of operating in the fruit of the Spirit. And each of these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit is going to be so crucial for us. Don't leave home without it. In the next few weeks, we are going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to be going level by level. I'm going to break the gifts down. I'm, I'm going to talk about the power gifts. And I'm going to talk about the revelation gifts. And I'm going to talk about the vocal gifts. And God is going to release himself on you in more power. But we have to operate in love, in joy. In peace, in gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We have to learn how to be self-controlled. I think God wants to have us today just look at our lives and see have we been operating in the fruit of the Spirit? Can someone look on your life and say, this person shows love and joy and peace. This person is patient. This person is a person who is in control of their lives. This person is the person that represents God. God is calling you. Now, before we close, I want to give a special invitation to someone who might be here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. As we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, He wants to pour His Spirit out upon you. God is ready to pour His Spirit out upon you, but He's not going to pour His Spirit out upon someone who doesn't know Him. He has, but not the way that He wants to. God will pour His Spirit out on a complete heathen for a short time but he wants to have that dwelling power going in your life if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I'm just going to ask you right now to just stand right where you are we want to pray with you God is willing to pour his spirit out upon you and fill you but first he wants to just have those fruit displayed in your life. If you're like that, just, just stand right now. I want to pray with you. Okay, my brothers and sisters, we're in for a wild ride. Because once the Holy Spirit comes in power, we're going to see some things that we haven't seen before. We're going to experience some things we haven't experienced before. 
Father, I pray for each and every one of my brothers and sisters here today. I thank you, Lord, that you have called us. You've called us to yourself, Lord, and you have transformed our lives, Lord. We are now new creation in you. Lord, I thank you that you have placed us in heavenly places, Lord, with you. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning, Lord. I just ask you that you would fill them. Lord, we want to see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, Lord. We want to see, Lord, your Holy Spirit just coming and touching us so that those who are Christians and those who are not Christians will experience you, Lord. They will be able to say, surely this person is different, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us. Come, Holy Spirit, and touch your people, Lord. I ask you, Lord, that you would cause each and every one of us to just move in the power of your might, Lord. Grant, Lord, that we would do things, Lord God, that you are calling us to do. My brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his shalom, shalom, his perfect peace. Now go into all the world and preach the gospel and behold, the Lord Jesus Christ is with you wherever you go. Stand with me as we leave. God bless you all. Invite somebody to church with you next week. Remember, if you need prayer, come forward.